like I'm listening to this audiobook. It's called uh, Green Lights with uh, Matthew McConaughey, and he goes into his first like movie that or production or film that kind of set him off, and that was uh, dazed and uh, confused, and he didn't have any lines except just I think there's maybe like a couple lines that he was talking about, and he had to fill the role of what he imagined the role would be, and he used his older brother. For an example, like he was a popular guy. He would go after girls and talked about drugs and having a nice car. So he's like, he's got all three, but he doesn't have a girl. So then I'm just going to go for it. And that mentality kind of set him up for success. Right. So what he did, I mean, what any actor does, what he did there is he internalized what his brother does. Made it become part of him. Because if you're trying to imitate somebody, that's where you have a huge risk that you're not going to look real. You're going to look fake. So you have to take those characteristics and you have to make them part of you. You're listening to a podcast that encourages you to embrace your vulnerabilities and authentic self. This is your transformation station. And this is your host, Greg Favaza. doing all right robert how about you good nice nice you have a cool background like you've been all over yeah i've done a few things (laughs) nice i would love to be a sponge and just absorb everything you have learned throughout life and anything you can teach me on getting from the microphone or camera like i will absorb it and apply it in real time nice yeah yeah be glad to (laughs) cool well do you want to give me like a little snapshot about like your whole biography i'm looking at it i'm like whoa there's there's a lot of shit and i don't know how to convey the essence of how how much you've accomplished uh do you have the short one or the long the long version i'm not sure which one i said uh it's best known as the dad on 2012 yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's that's I think that's the short one, actually. Holy cow. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I, that's my claim to fame from acting is I was in a Super Bowl commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm an attorney and I'm an actor and a voiceover artist. And then I now I'm, I produce films. So I've been, I've done, uh, I've done like 35 <laughs> films. To no date. shit. Wow. Um, and uh, I'm an author voiceover legal um that that's one of the things that launched me you know got me known um and it was became a number one bestseller on amazon um working on on uh, the second edition right now as we speak I'm about a third of the way through it okay um but yeah i just kind of everything kind of complements the other and, and i you know I, I combine everything i try to combine everything a lot of it centers off off legal issues Mm-hmm. You know, like the production is very much legal and business issues. Um, I try to approach acting and voiceover artists with business in mind. Okay. Because you can be the greatest actor in the world or the greatest voiceover artist in the world. But if you don't understand the business and don't understand where, where to go, you're not going anywhere. Oh, so. oh, okay. So when I was going for my bachelor's degree, I wanted to have a focus in mind. And the focus was incorporating my podcast. So with each uh, course that I've taken, 
they would always ask us to analyze a business or a made up business. And I always would put my LLC and just trying to understand every aspect of it mm-hmm. as well as that's how, like how I got my degree is focusing on how I can improve your transformation station. And I don't know, like that is what helped me progress and accomplish the degree was something that I was most passionate about and incorporating what I'm learning new and applying that in real time to the current show and episodes. Right. Yeah. It's, it's everything's about transformation. So it's about, you know, if you, if you're, you're an attorney or like me, you're an attorney, how do you transform <laughs> those skills into other, other areas? How do you use them and transfer them in other areas? So, and, and that's it's what I've done my entire, my entire life, my entire career. You know, I've, I've taken what I already know and incorporated it into other areas. And I also was a DJ in college. So I was like, it was funny because when I was in college, I was unsure if I wanted to be a DJ on the radio or if I wanted to, you know, go, go into law. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember I had an internship at uh, the local radio station in uh, Stanford, Connecticut. And I was talking to the DJs and they're like, are you crazy? Go in law. There's no money in radio. So that's kind of how I made my decision on um, where I wanted to go, even though I really liked, I really liked um, radio and I really liked DJing, but I was able to incorporate that. Even those skills I was able to incorporate. And that kind of what's what led me into voice acting, you know, because you, the, the boards. So you need like a board. certain, like a certain set of charisma when you, do radio and I feel like that would transfer over into law when you're I mean communicating with clients but also yes. in the courtroom. Absolutely. And then the technical side too. So, you know, voiceover, you you're recording yourself all the all the time and yeah. and, and, and you know, I learned how to use the, the big boards at the, at the college uh radio stations, you know, and set up the queue up the records and so it, it, that translates too. That transforms. So all of those skills and people, everyone has those skills. And when I'm talking to people that want to become actors or want to become voice talent, I tell them that's what I stress to them. You know, like use, learn, use what you already know and, and lean yes. on that. Yes. See, so, first I have, I have ADHD. So I saw a little floater go across the screen. Oh, side. did you? I wonder yeah, what it was. I don't know what it was, but I I tend to do that. I tend to, <laughs> I guess that's what the audience like is my ADHD. <laughs> I, I wonder what I wondered. I didn't see anything flying. So maybe yeah. it was the light or something weird. I don't know. I don't, but that's really cool. Like with your background and just going into radio voiceover, but then also kind of twisting towards law. Was there something more towards that? Like, you deciding like was that like a reality moment like i need to make fucking money or was there something else uh not really i mean it was just uh, i was really just trying to decide you know i, I liked i liked i really liked radio i really liked law mm-hmm. and i was just you know i was just trying to decide what was my best career path at that at that point in time and uh mm-hmm. you know it just seemed like you know i mean i had a couple of people that were in the business telling me like your best career path is to go become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And it actually, they were right because then I, I circled back later in life. I came, I became a voiceover artist later on 10 years later, 15 mm-hmm. years later. That's when I broke into, into voiceover and acting. And I, I really think that that's the best way to do it because you're, I was more stable 
you know, I had, I had income. I wasn't waiting to have to wait tables. I didn't have to live in my car. So I was more financially stable. So I was able to take time and devote it toward learning the craft of voiceover, learning the craft of acting. And, um, you know, I had a, a, like I said, I already had the business knowledge about it because I was already representing musicians and filmmakers and voice artists. Mm-hmm. So I already, I already knew the business. So it was just a matter of getting out of that side of my brain and going into the other side of my brain and becoming creative. And that was tough. It's still tough. Is it like a whisper that's telling you that you're not enough? Well, I mean, beside all the normal self-doubts that anyone has, I'm just talking about learning, trying to turn off that side of the brain from thinking and just learning to to do what's in the moment and what you're feeling like that. That's mm-hmm. a hard thing for uh, many people to do, especially attorneys, because, mm-hmm. you know, we're always thinking always in control, but you have to kind of let go of that to be a good actor. And yes. I think it took me a long time to do it. I, I'm still, I mean, I, in a way I'm just, I still, that's what I'm still learning. Yeah. I have new characters. I, I need to learn it all over again you know, so, and to get into that character's head. So which is interesting because I, I would like to go deeper into that. We are recording. And before we go any further, could, Robert, can you just share your last name for our audience? <laughs> sure. It's a Siglum Peglia. Siglum Peglia. <laughs> you didn't want to give that a shot, did you? No, not at all. <laughs> Sorry. Right, no, no worries. Yeah. What, what is the, what's behind that? Your last name? Uh, it's Italian. So Shilampalia. Like if you go to Italy, Shilampalia, that's how they okay. say it. Because you yes. know. The S, uh, S C is a she sound, and you don't say G's. Yes, in, in Italy, Chilampalia. Yes, well, I'm Italian as well. My last name's Favazza, so I feel like yep. we kind of connected there just automatically. Absolutely. Yes, but with understanding like how actors become actors, it's essentially you have to understand the role, but also understand the person that you're trying to be based off the script that's been handed to you. Like, could you go a little bit into that? Sure, sure. Uh, uh, I'm so that's where I'm talking about the thinking part, mm-hmm. right? So you analyze the character, and you're you what you're trying to when you're doing you're analyzing you're you're trying to figure out the story that the author or the writer is trying to tell, right? And you mm-hmm. do all that analysis before you start doing anything, because if you're doing that analysis as you're trying to perform it's going to look fake. It's going it's not going to look real. So what I tell people ask me this question, when you're acting, what you're doing is you're learning how to be yourself. You're learning about yourself. That's what okay. you're learning. So you're learning. You're not necessarily transforming yourself into another character. You're, you're drawing on things you already know and you already have experience with. And then you're applying that to the character because it's coming from within you. It's not coming from somewhere out there. If it's not coming from within you, it's not going to be real. It's not going to be authentic. So you have to figure out a way with each character to get what they're all about from come from within your gut, within your heart. That, that's, that's the best way I can explain it. And then turn off your brain. <laughs> you can't be you can't be thinking oh the character would cough at this point in time <laughs> you know what i mean like people do that when they act and you can't do that you just it's it just does not look it's not going to be authentic it's not going to be real it's going to look fake it's going to look like oh you just told yourself to cough, <laughs> to cough there. Mm-hmm. so you, you know if you're gonna if the character 
is going to cough, it's got to come. It's got to come naturally. It's got to come from inside. So, okay. So let me follow up with that. Like I'm listening to this audiobook. It's called uh, Green Lights with uh, Matthew McConaughey, and he goes into his first like movie that or production or film that kind of set him off, and that was uh, dazed and uh, confused, and he didn't have any lines except just. I think there's maybe like a couple lines that he was talking about and he had to fill the role of what he imagined the role would be. And he used his older brother for an example, like he was a popular guy. He would go after girls and talked about drugs and having a nice car. So he's like, he's got all three, but he doesn't have the girl. So then I'm just going to go for it. And that mentality kind of set him up for success. Right. So what that's he kind did, of, I mean, what any actor does, what he did there is he internalized what his brother does, mm-hmm. made it become part of him. Because if you're trying to imitate somebody, that's where you have a huge risk that you're not going to look real. You're going to look fake. So you have to take those characteristics and you have to make them part of you. Yeah. Right. So with the characteristics that they have, you're now you're putting, you're making them part of your personality for the character. So you're making them, you're making a part of the, it's the character's personality, but you, they're really your person. It's your personality at that point in time. Everything okay. has to come from you. It has to be grounded in you. It can't be grounded in outside stuff or it's not going to, it's not going to work. So then would you suggest that people have a good understanding of themselves prior to going down that kind of line of work? That's what you're learning when you're learning acting. Okay. That's what I just said. That's how I started it out. You learn about yourself. You're learning about yourself. When did you get so, stuck in the role? Like, do, do actors get stuck in that role? Uh, sometimes, and that's why it's it's that's why it's important to keep keep studying, keep practicing, because you you need to expand. And so, the, the thing that actors say all the time that I hear actors say all the time is that they can do any part, but you can't do every part. So you you need to part of learning yourself is learning what your capabilities are as an actor. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do a part that's, you know, that's you're going to be stretching, it's better to do that in class, in a class situation, <laughs> because, you know, it's a safe space. You can get feedback and you can work on it. And I'm not saying that an actor who can't ever do any, any part, but you need to, it's not something that just comes like that. It's something you need to work. You need to work on if you're doing parts that are outside your normal self. So, you know, that's what actors do They're They try to expand what they the roles they can play by doing that by by it's by internalizing them they their their own personality and internalizing what they know about themselves and that's how they expand the roles that they can play so and that's really what it is it's really learning about what you can and can't do what your capabilities are you know what what about what if you're what kind of person you are you know like mm-hmm. you know act is it's really therapeutic Acting is really therapeutic because you learn a lot about yourself and there's things about yourself that you, you might not like. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, that's, that's a sometimes, sometimes actors are also, they have things that happened in their past and, and that comes up and, yes. you know, and that's why they don't take drugs or alcohol. And, you know, they, they, if you get down that rabbit hole, sometimes you can't get out. Mm-hmm. So that's also learning. You know, I, I learn about, I learned that with my acting teacher. That's what we, we work on all the time. You know, she can get me down there, but she wants me to get out of there. Like she doesn't want me to stay. You know, if it's a if it's a deep, 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 sad part, you know, like I can get down, but 
can you go down there and out? Like that's, that's the fresh professional part mm. of acting, but it's still coming from in you. So like, if you're getting, if you're going down deep and you're being playing a, a sad character and you gotta be, it's, it's gotta be, you gotta draw an experience to be sad. You can stay down there. You can stay down there and just, you know, get the present, start drinking. You gotta, but you can't okay. do that. Like actors need to know how to get in, go get in and get out. And that that's also part of being a professional trained actor. Mm-hmm. Is usually you have a support system that will kind of help pull you out essentially when you're in well, that. Yeah. You have a, you have a coach, but the, what the coach does is, you know, you're teaching your people They're They're, they're not really like, you have to do that for yourself. Okay. Like your coach. If there's something that I'm using that I'm, that's getting me into a, a part where I'm, I'm, you know, playing somebody that's, that's depressed and sad. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, that's real at the time. So I need also something to get that I can associate with to get myself out of out of that space too. Gotcha. Because there's a danger that when you get yourself down there, you can stay, you can stay there. Okay. So and that's and that's what I'm telling you. I, a lot of times when I hear people that if they take drugs, the you know, they'll, they'll they'll take drugs or performance will they'll they'll go to the bottle. Mm-hmm. It's because they got themselves down. And they couldn't get out. And maybe it was because of acting or maybe it was because of something outside of acting, but you know, gotcha. okay. that deep space that could be dangerous. So, you know, that, that's, that's another part of learning. And that's another part of being in a safe space where you can do it in class. And the other thing that I find when I act, I get what they call the, 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 uh, the post-production blues. <laughs> so like, I'm so much into my character and I'm so the character. So me, that one when, when they when it when production's over and I'm done, I I I I'm I'm like a good week and I'm like down in the blues. I'm down in the dumps. I, I'm 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 sad. Is it the depressed. dopamine like that you were getting from being on stage doing the acting and all of a sudden you're not doing it anymore? It, that's part of it. It's uh, it's part of just the exercise of going, you know, getting into character. Mm-hmm. And then when you're coming out, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm not doing this anymore. This character has gone forever. You know, and it's, that's part mm-hmm. of it, the sadness. You're never going to be with that, that group of people again. So sometimes mm-hmm. you really like your act, other actors and you like your crew and you're never going to, that's not going to happen anymore. That's done. It, it, the plug gets pulled fast. So, wow. it, it, you know, it, it, all that stuff contributes to me. I, I get the post-production blues. But it does sound cool that you you surround yourself with unique types of individuals with the same passion that have learned the tricks of the trades and they kind of pass that along. Now, when you're doing acting and uh, you come across people that are trying to be a certain way, but it's coming off as inauthentic, I can see that it could be an indirect um observation of learning more about yourself on knowing what not to do based on their own actions. Yeah. I mean, people that when most of the time when people are, are coming off as inauthentic, they're thinking too much. They're in their head, you know, and you hear that all the time, get out of your head. And that's all the what time. It means. I get that all the time. That's what it means. Like just stop thinking and, and let, let whatever's going to happen, come and feel it. You gotta, you gotta open yourself. So the feelings, can come in because your head blocks it. Your head blocks those feelings from, from happening. So get out of your head just basically means 
hey, you already did all that thinking before. Like if you did the if you prepared properly and you did your thinking about what the the act what the character's about, if you have the viewpoint of the of the artist, I mean the uh, author, writer mm-hmm. in mind, and that's yes. how you're, you're speaking from that viewpoint. You can then you can get out. You don't need to think anymore. You don't need to think. And if you have your lines down, you know you have to obviously memorize. Because if you're thinking about lines, that's also in your head, and you know you're not gonna, yeah. the character's not going to come out. Yeah. So yeah, all that stuff you do before—that's your prep, so that when you you actually perform, you're not thinking about any of that stuff. Like that's all rehearsal. So that's all behind you. Now you're performing. So now you're opening. You're opening. You're opening yourself up. I'm not thinking. I'm just feeling. Whatever comes up, comes up. You okay. Know, so, can we? Can I do like a real live, like little? scenario like sure. if you were to if i were to put you on the spotlight and say like robert can you just act out how a serial killer would approach a approach his his victim that he's been stalking for weeks and now finally he's about to make his attempt to to get him or her what would that look like so for me to do that it would be me so I would be, I'd be like, you know, let's just say you're you're my victim, sure, and I'm I'm coming for you. So it would be something like, hey, how, how you uh, how's it going today? How are you? Uh, it's nice to meet you. What's your name? My name's Greg. It's nice to meet you too. Hey, where do you work? Oh, I work in uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. I work at at home, so you can find me if you look up my address. Oh, okay. What do you do? I'm a podcast host. Nice. We're uh, we're in St. Louis. I would say it's towards uh, uh, Big Ben and 141. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, you uh, do you have time to uh, to hang out with me for a little while? I do. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's. Let's go to the bar. You go. Yep. I'll buy you a drink. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any friends. So I feel like that would be great. All right. Come on. Let's go. And then when I get you to the bar, I'll drop a roofie in your, in your drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I got you. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's, it's more. So there's many ways to approach the character. Mm-hmm. That's the point. So mm-hmm. when you think serial killer, I mean, what does that mean? A dissociated individual who has experienced trauma and thinking about uh, altering that history with a new version of history in the current present. Right. I agree. And then how, but how would you, how do you show it? That's the thing. Like if you start to act arranged, if I go, Oh, come on, let's go to the bar. You know, like you're not going to come with me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's not how serial killers act. And that's the other thing that you that you learn about acting. You learn a lot about human nature. You learn a lot about human nature. So everyone has, there's no, a serial killer is not one dimensional. They're just not demented, right? A serial mm-hmm. killer has all feelings. Yes. Joy, sadness, madness. They get upset, right? So you're still playing a full character, a full person when you're playing a serial killer. Mm-hmm. But there's just certain traits you're going to give that that killer that he's going to do so that the audience knows. It's really up to the writer, too, what they want to give the traits to the character. 
you know, like maybe, like I said, the roofie, maybe that's what I do mm-hmm. to my victims. And then when I, when I go in my pocket, I start to pull out the roofie, then, you know, that, okay, serial killers coming out. You know what I mean? So, and if you study serial, serial killers, mm-hmm. it's what they do. They, they don't, they, they lure their victims. They, they, you know, they, they're nice. Most of them are very charming. Yeah. Right. So you can't really distinguish it. What I would try to look at is, is like understanding learned behaviors later on in life versus behaviors that were naturally given to us as a child and being able to recognize and distinguish between the two, regardless of the individual. I mean, from my understanding, I would say there's a slight delay that it's a conscious effort to make the those natural reactions look natural so i talk about this all the time too like uh, this is a debate that i have you know whether people are born inherently good or inherently evil mm-hmm. if there's any control over that like when you're born are you good or you're evil and i use the example of my twins when my twins were little 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 babies you know a few months old one of them would just sit there and be fine the other one would go up to her and push her over or throw a bottle or something, knock it down. So I always called one of the twins good and one of them evil. <laughs> right. So, and how much of that, if you let go, if you don't correct it as they're growing, how much of that just continues on and makes the evil person inherently become stay evil versus learning about, no, this is what society wants you to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So that you correct them versus staying good. I don't know the answers to these questions, but it's just something that I think about, you know, like if you leave an evil person, someone that's going to punch you and throw bottles at you and you don't correct that behavior is, are they going to stay that way for the rest of their life? The nature versus nurture aspect. Exactly. Nature versus nurture. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's, I'm fascinated with that. So, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Everybody has that in them. Everybody has good and evil in them. You know, what, what shows, what comes out that's the that's the fascinating part and that's the part that you can you can study and and you can yeah. emulate when you're when you're acting and use that for your you know, your repertoire of characters so you got someone who's evil someone who's good what do they do you know how do they how do they act in certain circumstances um you know are they inherently good are they inherently evil you know and serial killers are inherently they're evil obviously Right. They kill people. They go around killing people, but they don't act like that all the time. Right. They're, you know, like Ted Bundy, for example. Well, someone would look at it. They're doing justice. Like they could be thinking this is normal when it's definitely not allowed. That's my point. Yes. That's my point. They think it's normal because they were not not corrected, possibly. Right. They were not corrected during their kids. They thought that that's, oh, killing squirrels is normal. Because no one corrected them. They didn't have the guidance. Hmm. That's one theory. Like I'm not, sh- obviously I don't have, like I said, I don't have the, the answer to this, but I don't need the answer to this. Yeah, I, it's this all is, theoretical. This is observations that I can use for my acting. I don't need to have the answers to these questions to mm-hmm. put them into a character. So and in fact that it's better that I don't have the answer because then that's the kind of stuff that you can use organically stuff that comes up without having to have a solution to it and that's where your brain comes in it doesn't it's messy it should be messy so because the messiness illustrates authenticity exactly 
art is messy. If you, the more you mess it up, the you know the, the more authentic, more real, the more complex that it is. The more that you try to make it neat, nice and neat, and put it into categories, the it's boring. It's not act. That's not that's not art. No, it's science. Putting it into little neat packages. Or OCD. Science. Well, it could be behavioral journey, I guess. But if you have OCD, if you're acting with OCD, it's not gonna it's not gonna be interesting. Put it that way. So right? you must watch like a lot of movies and kind of can just pick up different like aspects of things and kind of use put in your yeah, toolbox. I do. It's so that's another thing. Like when when I watch TV or when I watch film, I try to get into the story without trying to pull it, analyze it, pull it apart so much. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I know what went into filming a scene. You know, I know uh, what they did. Sometimes I get caught up into that. It's like, wow, look at that. That was a great shot. And, you know, the yeah. look at the lighting on that. You know, like I, I I get caught up in the technical side, but I try to not to. I try just to 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 concentrate on the performances and the story when I'm watching a film or, or a TV show. But you know, in a way, in a way, being a producer and an actor kind of it ruins ruins movies for you. So and you, you can recognize as, as a pro, you know, what's done well. So, but you really have to again, you have to get get rid of the thinking when you're when you're watching a film or, or a TV show to to so you get into the story and you're not uh, you're not thinking about all the technical aspects of it. When you say that like being a producer ruins a lot of movies, are you are you kind of referring to like this thought that I have, like the more you know, the more you hate life, essentially? No, no. What I'm saying <laughs> is I, I look at it from a different viewpoint. I'm not looking, I'm not necessarily watching the story, listening to the story. I'm sitting there saying, Oh man, that that, that angle was terrible. Why did they use it? Oh, why didn't they put the light? Why did they put the lights here? You know, like second guessing how they're the filming of it. Because uh, I know how they what they did to get the shot. Or, oh, man, that was a cool drone shot. You know, like when you show the shot overhead, instead of like, oh, wow, you know, they're instead of the picture that they're trying to show you, I'm looking at it like how they shot it. So, okay. I'm the same way when it comes to people acting in military uniforms and then the ranking is upside down. I'm like, that's not authorized. That's not authorized. That's not real. This is now I can't watch the movie. Yep, exactly. And the same thing when it's a legal, when it's a legal movie, I can die right away. Oh, that's not right. That's, that's BS. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, as a producer, you same thing. Like, you could just you could get caught up in all the technical side of it and, and forget about. Wait a minute, this is actually this is a good story and there's good acting here. So, mm-hmm. and then when I watch actors, I, I I see how they. I'm not necessarily looking at their thought process on how they got to the character. Uh, I'm looking more more technical when I'm watching an actor. So, you know, like I'm looking at their movements, looking at their facial expressions, looking in their eyes, you know, those are all things that those are all the nuance that make a really, 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 really great actor. Mm. And they, they say that the greatest actors are the ones that do the best acting when they're not speaking. So like when they're reacting to other characters, like that's, that's, that's how you can tell a great actor from a good or very good actor. When they're not speaking, what are they doing? Wow. In between, in between the lines. In between their lines. I so like that. I'm looking at that too, but sometimes you can't. Like, it's better for theater 
to be able to do that. Because <laughs> you can't sometimes, you know, like on film, they'll cut away and then do another close-up on another actor so you can't really see what they're doing in between in between their lines. That's interesting. I, I really like that. Uh, I want to just transition a little bit to looking at like digital marketing and just marketing in general. Mm-hmm. Is there like... Is there a similarity between marketing and acting? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, what you're, what you're, there's a similarity with everything in life. Yeah. What, what you're trying to do, what a, a person is trying to do, at least in my opinion, is they're trying to connect with other people. Yeah. Trying to make a connection with other people. So when I'm arguing a case, I'm trying to make a connection with a jury or judge. When I'm uh, acting, I'm trying to make a connection with, with the audience. When I'm digital marketing, I'm trying to make a connection with the person that can use those services, mm-hmm. right? So if there's somebody that you're marketing to and they they can't use the services, there's no point in marketing to them because they're never you're never going to make a connection. Yes. So like that's part of part part of marketing is turning over rocks and figuring out which people are right for the services or for the goods that you're you're selling. They are marketing. So yes, there's a connection and all those things that. And all those, that's what I was trying to say earlier too. Like it all the common thread is law for me because that's how I learned how to, how to connect originally. So then I use that for acting. Now I use it for marketing. I use it for whatever I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to make a genuine connection with the person that I'm speaking with or communicating to. No, oh, I, I like that because that that's what I'm using is organizational leadership with the podcast and then vice versa with getting that degree. And now I want to take it further, but I'm still trying to decide how I want to go about doing that. And um, I don't know, what would you suggest for somebody like myself that wants to take it to the next level or like towards the audience to expand out further? So that's a tough question to answer because what you need to figure out is what is going to get you the maximum amount of connection with your audience you know what what avenue is it going to be social media is it influencer road is it youtube videos um is it all the above Mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of how well first of all figuring out who who you connect with that's the first thing because you can't if you just throw stuff up on the wall and hope it sticks it, it never works you just waste money and you waste time so you really you need to figure out who watches you on a, on a on a consistent basis, and then target them, talk to them. Those are the people that you want to talk to. So if you know, let's just say it's lawyers that watch you, just for an example, mm-hmm. right? I would be targeting every single law group, every uh, bar association, every Facebook page that has lawyers. I would. That's where I'd go. To, to get more eyeballs on me. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just an example. So I don't know who, I don't know the core who watches your, your, your podcast. So I wouldn't be able to answer it specifically, but that's the first step finding out who, who watches your, your podcast and, and then go out to them. That's mm-hmm. where you start. And then you can always expand from there, to, you know, then figure out, okay, who are people similar to lawyers that I can market to police. All right, let's go into police groups and see if they if they respond. 
right? So you can, you can start expanding your audience based on who have similar characteristics to your main group. So who, who, do you have a stats on demographics so I, on who watch you? I do. I've, I've had a lot of stats and my issue was I've moved around from hosting to hosting. So I lost a lot of, uh, consistent research, but I have all the research. And then I had my, um, my account getting hacked from, uh, an ex that took over my iCloud and stole my identity and all that stuff. So that, that was a huge roller coaster. And I feel like that is what I'm focusing on with this next 30 day challenge. I'm calling the 2430, where it's to help individuals who are dealing with recovery, addiction, um, a narcissistic abuse, abusive relationships, um, and just rediscovering things that I used to enjoy. And for the next 30 days, I'll be putting that out there on every channel and each channel will have a specific uh, nuance that I highlight. And I feel like that's going to be a beneficial thing for everybody, but also for myself, because I want to illustrate as much raw vulnerable like moments of myself because i feel like it's therapy like you said with acting mm -hmm. this is same with me with uh, recording i don't know how or why i feel like it's stressful as fuck and i hate doing it but i love doing it at the same time so that's every you just you just described every artist on the face of the planet every artist is stressed and anxious that no one's gonna like their work and that's the stuff that i'm talking about you gotta distance yourself from that and be vulnerable, like you just said. Open yourself up, be vulnerable, and not worry that people are not going to like what you're doing. Just do what you you enjoy. Do it because you enjoy it. And if you're enjoying it, great. If you're, you know, if your audience doesn't enjoy it, there's nothing you can do about that. You have zero control over that. So, but if you're marketing to people, you can you can modify your message. To, mm -hmm. to uh, a little bit, you can tweak your message a little bit so that you can make a better connection with them. Yes, because so that's a, a book that I'm reading. It's called Hook Points, and right. it's able to help people uh, stand out in a three second kind of crowd when we're constantly getting shuffled around with all digital marketing. Exactly. I mean, you can you can really make a connection with everybody on a certain level. So. I mean, that's one thing that I try to do when I meet new people or talk to people, I try to connect with them in some way. And I, you know, I've done many, many things and I've, you know, I play golf and I've played sports and I watch football. And so, you know, I can connect with, with different things with different people. Mm -hmm. So I try to find that common ground when I'm meeting new people, because then it just makes your conversation a lot more interesting than just, Hey, how you doing? How's the weather today? I can't stand conversations like that. I walk away. It's superficial. So, you know, but it's the same thing with marketing. Like, so if you can find that common ground with who your who needs your services or products, then you're, it's much easier um, for them to decide that they want to, they want to buy your products or your services. So, or watch your podcast. So let me, let's transition a little bit to, looking at law a little bit because now we're in the digital age where everybody's curating content. And yep. I feel like eventually we're going to, somebody's going to cross paths with somebody else that has similar ideas yep. or it becomes now a possible copyright infringement. How do you look at that? And 
what could you teach our audience about that kind of stuff? Yeah, it happens all the time. So copyright and um, trademark. I see those infringements a lot. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to approach it not talking about artificial intelligence, AI, because that creates a whole other issue, yeah. which is much more complicated. But artists sometimes do copy from other artists and not necessarily um, on purpose. You know, they get the same ideas. So copyright will protect your idea so that if someone does copy it too closely, then you can prevent them from making money off your idea or without at least sharing Mm. with you. So that's what copyright does. So if you write a great, the next great American novel, you copyright it and someone else, if they intentionally steal your characters or your story, then yes, that's an easy infringement case. But if they do it, if it's very similar and it was unintentional, you still have a copyright infringement case. So you can, that that's the importance of registering your works so that you can pursue it. Trademark. I see it all the time. So I'll see bands that use the same name. I'll see voiceover artists that use the same tags, um, logos. So it's important to trademark all of those specific brands um, so that you can, Stop that too. So you, the voiceover artist uses the same tag that you've been using for years. You can go after them, and uh, you know if if you trademarked it and you know say cease and desist, stop using it. Mm-hmm. So that's how you protect yourself as an artist. And then you should. All artists should be doing that. If unless this is what I tell artists: if you don't care about rebranding, then don't worry about trademarking. But if you're working on branding something and you want that to stick, you need to trademark it. You need to protect it so that. You can have other people stop using your brand, your brand, your unique brand name. So, so that, that's interesting. Like with uh, not caring about rebranding, like if we're if we were to look at entities, legal entities being forced to rebrand for some reason, like what should be taken into consideration prior to getting to that point of having to rebrand? Like, what's like the mentality? of not caring to rebrand. Like, I don't understand that. So some, some companies rebrand voluntarily. They just rebrand, you know, like X Twitter to X, right. They just decided to do that. They didn't get sued. WWF, which is now WWE got sued by the world wildlife fund who owned the trademark to that. Mm -hmm. That's why they're WWE now. Right. So that's the difference. That's what I'm talking about. WWF. World Wrestling Federation didn't want to change their name. They had to, right? Because they were infringing on World Wildlife Fund's trademark. Mm-hmm. X was not infringing on Twitter, was not infringing on anything or weren't being infringed on. So they just decided to rebrand to X. So that's my, that's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. If you're a company and you're thinking about, oh, I don't really care about this brand, I'll rebrand it and I'll relaunch, I don't really care, then you don't necessarily need to trademark. But if you really are building a brand that you want to stick forever, like WWF, you need to trademark. You need to trademark it. And now WWF, you know, they're, they're, of course they're 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 strict about going after people that they think are going to infringe on their trademarks. Because I had one. There was a uh, a show called Raw, the Raw Word. Okay. And I had WWE write me and say they they wrote to the trademark office and objected and said we couldn't use it because it was it was too close to raw. 
you know, oh, wow. the, the wrestling raw. So we, yeah. you know, so they're, they're strict about their brand because of that, you know, because of what happened with WWE, WWF. So that's, that's an example. That's what I'm talking about. If, if you want to keep your brand forever and you, you would be a big hassle and detrimental to your business to rebrand it, then you better trademark it. If you're, you're okay with, you know, I'm just using this brand to see how, if, how it works. And uh, if someone steals it, I'll just rebrand. Then you don't have to worry as much. Okay. So. Well, let's go, let's go deeper with this. When we're creating a brand and trying to protect ourselves, like what are some things that we can protect? I mean, of course we can protect our logo. We can protect the name. What about our color scheme? Like what if we had this unique color scheme that's, badass and then somebody takes it yep if you if you so the color scheme is going to be part of one of the other things it's either going to be part of the name it's going to be part of the logo or it's going to be part of the slogan so you, you can make that color specific if you want to or just do plain black and white that's up to you when you uh, tra- uh do the trademark file the trademark it asks is color part of the is color an integral part of the trademark okay yes or no so you can that, that's fine yeah the color scheme can be can also be protected so but it's not going to be on its own like you're if you use purple as your <laughs> as your as your color you're not going to be able to go after everybody that uses purple you know what i mean it yeah. has to be part of the logo or something so it, that it looks similar to what you're doing so you, you have to maybe be able to make a connection okay interesting so i'm going to leave the leave you with the floor and uh kind of let you share what you you would like to share that things i haven't gotten to address Sure. I mean, um, the one thing that I want to share is that, and the one thing that I learned is always teach us, always learn, keep going, learn new things. Don't be afraid to learn new things and don't be afraid to, if you want to try something, do it and don't let time and money be an excuse as to why you don't want to do it. Right. Cause when I, when I started, I was an attorney for 10 or 15 years (laughs) and I decided to become a voiceover artist just because I took a class. I took an adult ed class and I liked it. And so I started taking more voice classes, cut my demo, um, started doing acting. I do apologize for the, the sirens in the back. Oh, is that yours? Is that yours? I thought it was. I, thought they were I don't. Coming. I don't know. Like, if, get me. <laughs> I don't know if it's you or me. But just, uh, I'm just going to say. Yeah, something. I don't. Th- I don't think it's me. So, I was looking around. Um, yeah. So when I be, when I uh, transitioned, one of the things I, I I said to myself was, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. So what I told myself when I when I really decided I want to do voiceovers is I'm going to make the time. And I'm going to find the funds. And what I did was I gave up my golf. I, I, I golf was my hobby. So I, and I played a couple times a week. So I, you know, I figured 10 hours, but was about 10 hours a week. So I gave up that time to pursue voiceovers. And it was also, you know, a couple hundred bucks around. So, you know, for a hundred bucks around. A, he has a golf shirt on right now. Just so y'all know. Well, this is ocean city, New Jersey. It's kind of a golf shirt, but so I would, and that's how I started. I took that time and I put it toward voiceover. Right. And then I started doing acting. And I remember that um, it was, it was like March of 2006. And I had already used up all my vacation time with my job that I was working like 60 hours a week at 
because I was doing, I would go in and do uh, go to the city, New York city to do um, voice acting gigs and, and acting gigs. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got an offer from Disney to do a 13 day um, background acting job. Um, so I showed my wife and I was like, look, I got this offer for 13 days, but I can't, I can't do that. I don't have 13 days of vacation left. So what she told me, well, she said, quit your job. She's like, you, she knew how much I hated that job. She said, quit it. Just do this. You, this is something, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. You know, if you get into this, if you, you're in the final cut, we can show our grandkids this. Uh, and then she just said, just make sure you pay the mortgage. So <laughs> like that nice. was a caveat. And so what I did was I went back out on my own as an attorney. I, I rented an office and a, a friend uh, space that was in town here, mm-hmm. started working on my own. And then I was doing the acting at the same time. So if, if I had that fear, hold me back at that point. And I've not looked back. That was 2006. I'm, I'm still on my own as an attorney. I'm still, you know, self-employed as an actor, as a producer, you know, all that stuff happened because of that move. And if I had not done that, if I let fear take me, me take it over on me, and if I didn't listen to my wife, I would probably still be an employee and I never would be doing what I wanted to do. So, you know, find a way, don't be afraid, jump, take, take a leap, you know, and just don't take a full leap, you know, make sure you're, you're doing it in a way where you're still, you know, you're not going to bankrupt yourself. So mm-hmm. there, there are definitely ways to do it so that you're not going to, you're, you're not going to be in the poorhouse and you're going to still be able to pay your bills. Interesting. So. Yes. No. Um, t- I wanted you to just highlight your book a little bit on what sure. you've already written and published. If you can share that with our audience. Absolutely. I wrote a book called voiceover legal. And it's funny because when I started doing voiceovers, a lot of the uh, voiceover actors knew I was a lawyer. So they started asking me questions, you know, Oh, should I set an L- start up an LLC? Should I trademark my, my logo? <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. I started writing all these things, all these questions down and that's how the book was born. So I, I did a wow. chapter for, for all the questions that I gave real life examples. Um, and it became a, a bestseller. You know, it, it's really it's the book that um, voiceover artists buy when they have legal issues and they want to learn about the legal issues of not only voiceover, it applies to acting as well, because they're very similar. Um, so I'll link that in the show notes. Great. Yeah. So I'm working on the second edition now. That'll be done pretty soon. I'm going to talk about AI, artificial intelligence. I need to upgrade for that because that's a, a big issue now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the book. So it, it's funny because voiceover artists and um, actors know me as the attorney and my attorney colleagues know me as the actor. So that's how much it compliments each other. Like they know me as the, as the opposite thing. So it's amusing to me. That'd be a cool name for you. Like they call me the attorney. Nice. You? Like call <laughs> no. you the No, no, no. I, I'm imagining I'm you for a second. Gotcha. And yeah, because then that would make you unique. Be like, I don't know, like a superhero name, kind of something. I don't know. <laughs> I've yeah. got to come up with a better superhero name than attorney. That that's. <laughs> or if we look at it as a, a contract killer. Who are we going to hire? Oh, the attorney. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's good. He's like really that. good. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to write a screenplay on that now. 
Definitely. As long as you can serial killer. Yeah. As long as you incorporate me into it, I would love to participate. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Because I mean, who who would think that an attorney would be a serial killer? That's, that's my, that was the point I was making earlier. Like Ted Bundy, like Ted Bundy was very charming and he, you know, he charmed a lot of women and he ended up being a damn serial killer. Like, (laughs) so same thing with I have, don't know many, uh, I've never heard of many attorneys that are serial killers. I've heard of attorneys that killed people, but I've never heard of them being serial killers. I think that would be a good story. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, what is it like? If you're getting like investigated, it's like attorney client privilege. So right. they can't, they can't ask you shit. Well, and it also is just, you know, attorneys are fiduciaries. They, they, they're trusted with money and stuff. So yeah. like you have to, if you have, you have to trust your attorney really. So if you're, if you're giving all that kind of trust to an attorney, then an attorney is like in a perfect position to be a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And I'll say he has like a code and he doesn't hire or he doesn't take, he won't be hired by the the bad people that he would consider because he would just end up killing them. That's a good that's a good twist on the on the plot right there. Yeah. So he only takes clients that are bad and he kills them. What? Yes, that's the yes, that's exactly what I meant. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. So he takes evil clients and kills them. Yeah. So then they never make it to court. I don't know. Or never make it to their next victim. I love that. Yes. Yeah, this is going good. I like this. All right, we got a script. You and I are co-writers. Beautiful. Do I have to copyright that? (laughs) After we write it, yeah, you have to copyright it. (laughs) Hell yeah. This is perfect. I will will link this. I'll link everything we talked about into the show notes, but um, was I able to ask you everything you wanted to address? Yes. Oh, actually, I want to talk a little bit about, I also have, a new membership program that I started called attorney on demand, ATTYondemand.com. And it's for businesses and artists. So if you want an attorney, you want them on retainer and not pay a lot of money, you can join our uh, attorney on demand and ask me as many questions as you want, get free contracts, get uh, reduced trademarks, reduced LLCs, reduced fees. So that's a new, uh, it seems to be, um, resonating very well with the uh, artistic commu- uh, community. So I thought I'd mention it. Beautiful. No, I'll definitely link that into the show notes as well as, as long as you provide me a destination link where they can yep. go. Beautiful. Absolutely. Yep. Excellent. Great. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yes. Oh, and one last thing. How can our audience get in touch with you? Uh. They can go to my law website, which is R-O-B-S-C-I-G-E-S-Q.com. Robsigesk.com. That's the easiest way. I mean, you can Google me and find me. I'm all over I'm all over the internet too. So Thanks for joining us on this adventure of growth and discovery. If you're ready to achieve a sustainable transformation, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And hey, if you've enjoyed the show and want to support it, take a moment to leave a podcast review on Apple or your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspiring quotes, and the latest updates. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just search for YTS The Podcast. Until next time, remember, change is constant and transformation is inevitable.
Embrace the journey and keep rocking your way towards a better you. Stay bold, stay curious, and stay true to yourself. See you next time on your Transformation Station. 